Strachan and Bell together. There's Cooper breaking through. A chance now. This will be the fourth ball for Aberdeen. when things are going wrong against you if you don't get the breaks of the ball Cooper in with Stewart he didn't really know where the ball was but he got the break and as you say it's a schoolboy's dream being able to take your time knowing that really all you got to do is crack it into the back of the net Hello and welcome to the latest Here We Go podcast. Our audience this week will probably consist of the masochistic type. Well, as Aberdeen fans, we're pretty well versed in that anyway. But at least you don't have to try and come up with some original words to describe the last two limp and listless pitodry displays, unlike us. With me is, uh, almost always, Martin Clunas. Evening, Martin. Can you remember if you've incurred any gypsies' curses or similar that have brought about this goal famine? Um, I, can't, I can't really think of anything, to be honest. Um, I really don't know what's happened um, something's I mean was Pataudry no there's all the old rumour about Pataudry meaning dung heap and all that kind of stuff are you sure it wasn't an Indian burial ground we'll get Barry Fry to come and piss on the corner flags <laughs> uh, then we're big fans of the quintuple uh, quintuple threat songwriter animator journalist podcaster lover that is JJ Gould <laughs> and we're delighted to have him back on the show with us tonight hello JJ hello it's lovely to be back it's been a while isn't it it's been a good while, but uh, we realise that you have a, a super busy uh, podcast curriculum, so uh, yeah, we're delighted that you're them, fitting us in. Thank you. So on to, uh, from in this week from um, sheer boredom, St. Johnson at home on Wednesday night. So the excitement beforehand, and I think we were all fairly upbeat beforehand, we've got a decent point at Ibrox, and we were looking forward to Ronald Fernandez's debut. Um, the manager afterwards, uh, Martin, described it as maybe coming a bit too soon for him. What do you think? Um, I think that was probably a fair comment. Um, no, going by the, I don't know, what, what did he last, 60, 65 minutes? I don't know. Um, going by the time he was on the pitch, uh, it appears that he isn't the type of the type of fullback that we've probably became used to um, from, you know, in, as from Shea Logan, uh, getting up and down the wing, because uh, he didn't do much of that, really. Um, um, I mean, no, I, no, obviously it was early in the game. I'm, 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 I'm loath to kind of put any blame blame at him for the goal. Um, I understand he was upfield a bit, but you know, you know I kind of, I kind of think that we've, you know, we like having like having our fullbacks a little further up the pitch, but um, we didn't really. I don't think he really had the chance to impress very much. Um, you know, there's there's probably more, there's probably a lot more to come from him. Um, disappointing, really. I mean, which you know. <laughs> describes the 11 players on the pitch I think it's fair to say um, nothing, nothing. I don't think we've even got a flavour of what he's capable of there uh, one or two crosses into the box he delivered but I didn't think we're seeing it's probably the, the, from the kind of the hype and the excitement particularly from myself last week on the podcast um, it's probably one of the most underwhelming debuts um, I think we've ever seen well, I don't know about that. Matty Kennedy and Dylan McGeoch in the past month have probably rivaled that. But um, it's fair to say, JJ, not every debut is going to be Hans Heelhouse, is it? No, and he's joining the team at a weird time. It's a slightly different league. He's got to get used to a whole bunch of new players, uh, different play system. 
Um, I, don't, I don't know how much of his not getting up the wing is tactical instruction, how much is it Sims is not doing that. I thought he had a couple of nice touches, and you think you can tell straight away he's got a really good first touch, which is uh, quite valuable in Scottish football. He'll, I, I think he'll he'll come good. They've obviously scouted him a lot, and like the money they've heard talked about was that Richard Gordon. I think was saying that it's something north of seven hundred and fifty grand or something like that. I don't know if you've talked about this already. But, um, he he has to be good, and the whole team's is not performing at the moment. So I wouldn't. Yeah, I can't read too much into it. I'm very disappointed, JJ, that it shows you didn't listen to last week's show, but never mind. Uh, we, we, weren't with, <laughs> we weren't with just the two in midfield, as we'd maybe talk, as we talked about last week, uh, that we'd hoped we'd see. We went with Ferguson and McGeoch, um as the two. However, really, you wouldn't have known during the course of the game that we had an extra forward-facing player on the team, would, uh, would you, JJ? No, it's... Um... Everyone keeps asking for says Aberdeen needs a ten, but leaving the ten space free should mean that the the forwards can or the the wingers sorry can move into that space, have overlapping fullbacks, and then one of the midfielders can come into the into that space. But when you play with a ten, and if it's someone like John Gallagher, I mean, I, <laughs> I don't. It's just not quite there, and like there's no point in having these players in a. Having forwards on the pitch if they're not getting the ball in the right place. If you look through like Y Scout stats, it shows that, and you can see it on the pitch as well. Actually, forget the stats. Aberdeen get the ball forward from defender to striker so quickly that it ends up being punted straight back, and then they head it away straight back, and it never gets played through the lines to the forwards. When it does get played through lines to one of the wingers of the forwards, they're outnumbered straight away, and it seems to be that. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm talking about the the Killigan weekend as, as opposed to St Johnston one, but uh, there's even though there's midfielders there, there are still gaping holes in the middle of midfield where players are not there. And you saw it with St Johnston's goal. Is that suddenly the midfield was gone, and then suddenly the defence was gone for the boy to run through in on goal? But it's just say uh, the the way they construct play. It just hasn't seemed to change despite having McGee come and you've got Ojo on at the same time. I don't understand quite what they're not doing as to what they've been told if that, if that makes sense I'm rambling a bit but yeah it's it's all it's so the passing is, is not there and uh, I think it, Aberdeen's numbers are down on everything from what they were two seasons ago in terms of uh, they're described as things like smart passes and um, passes per game even just that I can't remember the exact metrics and I've not got them on me right this second but it's um, it's quite Stark that you can see how clearly different the team is playing to what they were in previous seasons. <clears throat> but it's quite interesting, Martin, because I think uh, post winter break there has been a conscious effort, a more deliberate effort to retain possession, to keep hold of the football, to not go along quite so often. And in many ways, that's really a contributing factor, I think, to what we're seeing. Um, you know what? What was uh, what we were being served up before Christmas was by no means pretty, and it was only of limited effectiveness. But it was slightly more effective than what we're seeing right now, which just seems to be caught between two stools. Um, I think that's I think that's pretty fair. Yeah, I mean, uh, there, there's, there there does seem to be this. I mean, and McInnes has clearly decided that we're going to stick with this because you know, no, there's no question that the, some of the, the players that we have in the team we have some very good. No Scottish Premier League level footballers, and so I think he must be thinking that he can stick with this, uh, where if we can keep the ball, this kind of place possession game, which yes, particularly on Wednesday, um, it was it was chronically boring, um, just you know the, across the back and it would McGee and McGee would play it back and it would somehow end up at Lewis, it would go out wide, and it would come back, 
And I can understand that he's wanting to keep the ball and he's looking for that moment of space. The problem is that it, it just extends to what we've kind of been moaning about for the last... Not really for the last eighteen months, whereas like there's just not the the creativity isn't there. So if people aren't moving for the ball, then the the guys who the guys in the def, the defence and and dare you say defensive midfield are stuck stuck you know in that awkward position where there's nobody moving, there's nobody to give them the ball. So we just seem to find ourselves with the ball and nothing happening with it. Um, and I can understand why there there is a lot of frustration coming from the, from the terrace because people are. People are seeing this where it's like there's just the creativity, creativity isn't there. Uh, and I mean, particularly, I've seen quite a lot of stuff directed at Sam Cosgrove where, you know, I don't think he is particularly a lazy player, but in the last 180 minutes I've watched, well, sorry, because he got subbed off since yesterday, um, in the last two games I've watched, um, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't know that this is a guy who scored, you know, what is it, 50 goals in however many games for Aberdeen. Um, he's just looked, you know, just a complete no, a complete no. The, the definition of a non-league English footballer, you would say, just no effort um, from him really at all. And I understand that he's he's not been moving for anybody. He was Wednesday in particular was just he, he just didn't didn't come for anything. He was come he did come deep a couple of times, but then he wasn't. He was being just marked out of the game, and they were doubling up on him. And I think when St Johnson in particular, when they doubled up on Cosgrove, we literally had no answer to that. Well, this is one of the big problems, right? So I think Cosgrove is kind of isolated. And if the whole point of football really is to try and gain overloads in different places so you've got an advantage, you see all the time that Aberdeen... So you always see McGinn is 1v1 with a fullback. He's never got a help next to him to play a 1-2. Always 1v1. Kennedy has the same things now. They're getting them into 1v1 against a fullback. But then that fullback tends to be the wide midfielder because everyone sits deep because they know if you give Aberdeen the ball, they're not going to be able to do anything with it. And in terms of that, I totally agree with everything you just said there. I think the, the, the creativity part comes down to even, not that they've not got ideas or anything like that, but like basic positioning. So when you see when they play it from the back, um, first of all, like the first thing that I think is that needs to be correct is that the distance between the striker and the centre-backs is massive. It's at the entire pitch. Even when we've got the ball, it's very rare that McKenna well, and Devlin was in Kilmarnock that they're pushed up to halfway. So you squeeze the pitch, so when it comes back, you can recycle it and move it around. Maybe because they're a bit slow, I don't know. It's, it's don't like, That part of the shape isn't right. But when you look at particularly the full-backs, uh, Constantine on the left, Logan on the right, I think um, Hernandez was a bit better at it uh, the other day, is that if they were just five yards forward, the first pass forward would be diagonal, like a, like a vertical diagonal pass. But instead, it's almost, it's just slightly forward or sideways. So as soon as you do that, the opposite team can shift across, and then the ball has to go back, and then back, and then back, back to a fullback, and they always chip it down the line, because the position's not right. That could be because they've not worked in it properly in, in training, or it's because they're trying to do something that I don't fully understand. It's not, I don't get the method of it. But it could also be a lot to do with confidence, because they're not scoring at the other end. So people are nervous to go too far forward, because if they do, there's a turnover, suddenly they're in trouble. And it's a little bit of a, you know, it's that six and a half a dozen kind of thing where it, they'd be a lot better if they were confident and pushing forward, but they're not as good as they should be because they're not confident. Yeah, there's definitely a chicken and egg scenario there, definitely with the full-backs, I think. There was a tendency to sit back. Of course, the goal we lost on Wednesday was because both full-backs were pushed up. Then you had uh, both centre-halves drawn into the same uh, part of the pitch, which was criminal, to be perfectly honest. And yeah. then, as you'd already pointed out, JJ, uh, neither of the midfielders, McGeech or uh, Ferguson, was able to track the runner, McCann, who had you know, basically the entire width of Pataudry to run into um, when the ball was played through. 
let's go back to, to Sam Cosgrove, uh, JJ, if we can. Because before he started scoring, at the start of last season, and he was still keeping his place, and he was justifying that place by doing the right stuff outside the box. At the moment, neither is happening. Um, should we be sticking with him based on his first six months of the season? Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, he might be that he's just a little, ment- little mentally drained. It's the same thing every single time. He's got two massive centre-halves uh, keeping tight to him. He's having to push up. He doesn't drop in a lot because if he does drop in, you see the, the exact effect, that the cause and effect is, is obvious Im- immediately because he's then not in the box. If he drops to pull the defender away, they don't go with him. They stay and then someone else tracks him. And then when the ball goes wide to the wingers, there's no one to hit it into. Uh, I don't know how... I, I don't think he's ever been the best in the box. I think he's better at getting in off the shoulder of the last man and doing something with it that way or scoring penalties. But the other thing he's been doing is... Uh, like I said, the centre-back's been so far away from him. He's pushing as far forward as he can to try and create that space in behind him for others to move into. But the passing's going so slowly out of... From goalkeeper into the, the final third, his approach play is so slow and predictable. And I think like, there was some things that Dean Campbell was doing uh, on um, in the Kilmarnock game, where he'd get the ball and you see the switch was on and he would fling it and that just changes the game it speeds it up straight away Logan takes it down and goes because these guys are premiership southern footballers just be able to control the ball in the chest and run with it but there seems everyone's not trusting their own touch enough and that's affecting even players like Cosgrove because he has to be as far up the pitch as he can to create that space but you can't get you can't get across it if you're one one with a fullback if it's a good fullback they just show you inside and then the ball has to go somewhere else and it just goes backwards Again, it's like you're saying chicken egg. What's he meant to do? He's, he needs chances to be able to score, but if he drops to try and help with the approach play, then he's not in position to score. And I, I can see he does look a little... I don't know, he, he's definitely a confidence player, as a lot of strikers are. And if the whole team's not playing as well as they should, it's going to affect how he plays, and he's not getting chances. I, I, I think this is stick with him, to answer the question. Yeah, absolutely. I think he's a really, really talented player. Good first touch, holds the ball up well. It's just that the players behind him aren't uh, creating or supporting the way they should be. Martin, in many respects, this is just a return to the mean, by which I mean up until mid-December we've been really outperforming our expected goals tally. I, I'm not about to explain what expected goals are here. So use Google. Uh, those who place a lot of faith in these things will tell you that there's usually a regression back to the mean. Yeah, um, just to jump in before you answer that, sorry. The, the number, like the difference in XG as well is shocking. Like it's a good... Uh, I think Aberdeen, um, with XG taken into consideration, should probably be sitting almost like at <laughs> the bottom of the top six, if not in the bottom six. It's really uh, stark. But the numbers, like McKenna said, the problem is in the final third and it is in the attack. Everything else is actually all right, but it's an attack that really struggling. Sorry about him. No, that's fine. That, that answers that fine, and we don't have to listen to Martin. So that's 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 a good thing. Uh, the Kilmarnock Cup tie. So there was a, there was a clear uh, five changes to a lineup, but a change to the shape as well. Clearly, uh, an attempt with the wing backs, Martin, with Logan and Campbell playing wing back, with the aim to get McGinn and Kennedy closer to Cosgrove and use Logan and Campbell to maintain the width that uh, we also wanted to do. Um, again, you could act, you could at least discern what the thinking was here, couldn't you? Oh, you absolutely could, yeah. I mean, you know, as the game went on, it became apparent as well that, no, I, I can't remember, who was it, who was it playing left-back for, the, for them? It was, just wasn't very good. Um, and you know, I thought Logan was have, had a decent time against them as well. The wingers did as, did too. 
Um, and it was it was interesting to see that no, we've not heard it in a long time. But no, I remember the remember the good old days when people used to say McInnes had no plan B. Um, and here is no, he's tried something different because what he's been doing, you know, and what I just mentioned about a few minutes ago is like what he's doing hasn't been working. Um, and you know, a cup game is 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 super important for Aberdeen. Needed to do something different. And he tried this and thought I thought it did it was working. I mean, again, the final third of the pitch, it, it, it's when it all fell fell down and we didn't get there. But I was, it was really interesting to see him try that. Um, I was, you know, I mean, you can. You could have one of no. He did say that Ojo was. Ojo, I think he did say that Ojo was getting rested for that game as well. So we knew Ojo was going to come in. Um, it was kind of happy to see that he didn't go with Ojo and McGee and Ferguson again, uh, because I don't think that no, in, in whatever kind of formation we've been playing, that hasn't that hasn't really been working. Uh, but I did I did think it was good that he, he could try something different. Campbell, um, Campbell was just you know I thought was really really good. Probably our best player. Um, you know, I'm a big fan, a big fan of his, and as as JJ mentioned, it was like when he was just finding him switching the play, and he's getting over to Logan, and Logan being a bit more positive, trying to get up the pitch, um, it made us look, you know, like we were kind of getting there. I mean, it's still, but again, it's the problem is it's the it's the final third, you know, we're not we're not creating it, so getting the getting the good crosses into the box, the good deliveries, um, which is disapp- which is the real disappointing thing because you've got you know you had Kennedy on the pitch for. He was basically on the pitch for the full game. Uh, McGinn was on there as well, and they just—they're just—it's it's not happening for them at the moment. Yeah, uh, the delivery into the box, JJ uh, Bonescu, uh, the killer keeper. His afternoon, it was perhaps the the worst training session he's ever had because uh, at training the the crosses he would have to deal with would be much much better, much much harder than the sort of lazy floated nonsense we uh, we served up. Uh, yeah, but then I, I mean. They said it on, on the red TV commentary. Even I, I would put a lot of that to the wind because you can't really drill it in because it's just firing somewhere else. If you hook it in, it's getting fired over. Like you see the ball is rolling away everywhere when he's trying to take his goal kicks. Uh, it's not the best of excuses. One thing I would point out about the St Johnson and, and Killy games is although we didn't create and looked like, uh, lethargic, not lethargic, I'm trying to think of the, word, the right word for it, just slow. Um, lacking confidence, not firing the ball with the zip it needs to get up the pitch and just trusting their touch. But how poor were Kilmarnock and St. Johnson? Like, they offered nothing, absolutely nothing. There were brief counter-attacks. I think they only had three players in the Aberdeen half whenever they managed to get forward. And it's, this is the thing. Everyone knows how to play against Aberdeen. You, you sit deep, you block, you push it wide, they get put in the box and you clear. And it's the real... Uh, when the, when the delivery is not good, <laughs> he's saying there's not much you can even do. I mean, I I don't like uh, teams who cross the ball in the box. Like, your optimal goal scoring positions are in like the six yard box or inside the box in central areas, and it uh, tends to be shots on the ground, not just. Like, if you, there's some stat in you know, like soccernomics or one of these books where the amount of headers you score is is so minimal, it's not even worth trying. Same with corners, no one ever scores from a corner. Everyone gets excited, but no one ever scores from them. Unless it's a mistake, I suppose. But yeah, uh, this is one of the, thing, the things that McKinnon's got to figure out. And the players he signed, I mean, the best teams that we've talked about this before in the podcast, his best teams were the ones that were good in the counter-attack. But you can't play against like that just now because no one lets them. The only teams you can really do that against are like Rangers, where I thought were quite decent. And uh, everyone else wants Aberdeen to ask the questions. And at the moment, they don't have any answers. 
I think one of the other changes, Martin, you really touched upon it, Ojo in for McGeoch, um, you know, probably his best game in a red shirt. I know that that's not a huge deal of competition against what he's served up so far, but finally looking like a player that we spent 175000 on. I did, yeah. I mean, I thought, I thought, again, he was, he was, he was marginally, well, I say he was, it's not unfair to say he was marginally better than McGeek was on Wednesday. He was, no, I thought he was a lot better than McGeek was on Wednesday anyway. Uh, but no, obviously we're operating slightly differently. Um, you know, Ojo is, is you know, came, came here, um, you know, McInnes has, McInnes has talked him up as well. You know, obviously we've missed him a bit through injury, so we've, we've not really had a chance to, to see much of him. Obviously his, um, his early, his early season European, um, cameo will, will, you no. Know, provide entertainment for a long time um, but you know we've not really seen the best of him and hopefully you know there was glimpses of it on glimpses of it on Saturday um, still lots to, still lots to come from him um, still no I don't think he's still had you know, a decent run in the team where he's impressed for a few games but then again nobody really has this season really I suppose um, so yeah still lots to see happy, no, happy to see him happy to see him back he looks back, looks like he's fully fit again um, I think it was just uh, well, he was he just rested on Wednesday but no, um, interesting to see where he comes. How much we can get out of him going forward. So, Martin, obviously Saturday saw the return of the Red Shed, the home end. It sold out very, very quickly. Um, so, from that point of view, absolute success. Um, there was, you know, a fair bit of noise coming out of there. Were you, were you in there again on Saturday? Not this time. No, um, we we actually we actually missed out on missed out on the chance to get to get tickets for it. Um, I'll be honest, I didn't expect it to sell out so quickly. Um and so we we just missed out and um one or two of the people who usually come to games with us were were um a bit latchy and giving us notice about whether they could come or not. So and we didn't miss out. So we were in the south um south stand this time back in our back in our usual stopping grounds. But yeah, um lots and lots of noise coming from it. I mean that's probably the this has probably been the positive that's came from um, those two cup games, okay, we got past on Barton, but we really, no, no disrespect, but yeah, lots of disrespect. We should be getting past them. Um, so that's been the, the, the kind of the positive about it. That you no, know, lots of lots of good, good atmosphere, lots of noise. Um, and you know, yeah, it's just um, obviously, you no. Know, if we can get through, um, we'll be away in the next one. So uh, that just kind of, at least they'll have that kind of travelling atmosphere. Traveling, traveling crowd that will create some noise if we can get into the next round. Uh, some of the noise, though, uh, about five minutes before the end, uh, there was some uh, more chance against Derek McInnes. Now, obviously, people are entitled to chant whatever they want uh, at whoever they w- wish to, but was it? Well, first of all, do you think it was justified? And secondly, do you think it was a smart or right thing to do at nil-nil in a cup tie that we were plainly trying to win and obviously still in the cup? Uh, I suppose there's, there's, there's two there's two ways I kind of look at that, right? I mean, yeah, people are they're, in, they're in qu- quite entitled and no, and there's a the, I, I do you know I'm kind of in the you no, know, I think I think McInnes is is served his time at Aberdeen. I think it's probably time for a, I do think it's time for a change. Um, during the game when we're when we're still no, I mean, okay, not that we were pushing for a goal or we were nowhere bombarding their their net. I think. Um, it's probably not the, no ten five ten minutes from the end of the game. It's probably not the right time. Um, I'm of the kind of view that that sort of stuff should be you know saved for after the game. Um, and if you must, I mean, we spoke about it last week. You know, you said that you know with Alex Smith, you were protesting outside the stadium. That's a thing to be done outside the front door of the stadium. Um, I'm not too keen on seeing it during games, but um, I'm also wary that. Um, and we've said this loads and loads of times on here as well. Uh, it's not my place to tell other people how to support the team. Um, you know, p- 
people everybody pays the same money um they're entitled to, they're entitled to to do what they want it's just you know five minutes from the end it's not for me it's noticeable that uh, you know for for all those chanting there was probably a a larger reaction back in terms of people booing the chant yeah I did I mean I was quite surprised at that um you know because I, I think I did say that there was we heard a little bit of it when we were in the the red shed at the Dumbarton game um and it, but it was it was very minimal. It wasn't. I don't think it was a lot. Of, a lot of people, or it certainly didn't seem like it. Uh, but there was no reaction. It was quite surprising that this time, um, people were kind of booing them down, which I suppose is is the is the opposite opinion. You know, people are you know, as much as people are entitled to say, you know, we've had enough of the manager. It's time to get time to go. Uh, there are a lot. There are still a lot of people, um, and you know, in terms of you know, in terms of not just at games, but particularly like on social media, I think the McInnes out stuff is probably more vocal. Um, and you, you, you know the kind of the, the the silent majority are probably the kind of people that want him to stay. Um, so it was I was quite surprised that uh, the, the reaction uh, that shows that there is there is still a, a fair amount of a groundswell of support um, that are willing to make their voices heard in favour of the manager. Do you or think it, Do you think it was that, or do you think it was more that the you know the fact that an end which had been set up specifically to better the atmosphere to support the team was well, kind of doing the opposite. Do you think it was more a kind of a reaction to that as opposed to any defence necessarily of the manager? Could be, yeah. I mean, I suppose there is there is that, you know, people are, you know, we're, you're, they're there. I mean, all of us that go to Pataudry, you know, are, we're there to support the team. Um, so we, you know, I understand we all should be pulling in the same direction. So perhaps there was, you no. Know, perhaps the reaction was people who, you know, just thought, you no, know, now's not the time. Um, no matter what your opinion is, because though people will always disagree. I mean, you know, it's, you know even you know, like you say, you mentioned we mentioned obviously last week we mentioned about Alex Smith. You no, know, but obviously Jimmy Calderwood was in. There was there was quite a lot of the Jimmy must go or you know people who wanted him to stay and thought he was great. Um, and this is another. And this is this the other thing where people are going to disagree on it. And I suppose there there is a thing where you no, know, and like I said, I, I I personally felt that you know five minutes for the end isn't the time, uh, but no. There's no point me. There's no point me booing from the booing them from the south stand because they're not going to hear. And I'm not going to boo. I'm not going to boo other people at the stadium. I'm going to boo, you know, the other team. And then at 90 minutes, I'm going to boo as well. Um, but yeah, I suppose I suppose there is a there is a thought of that. Yeah. So that was the Kilmarnock Cup tie replay a week on Wednesday. The draw to be made for the quarterfinals. It's Motherwell or St Mirren should we get past Kilmarnock, which is um, not the best, not the worst. Um, let's just concentrate on Kelly next, I guess. Uh, before we move briefly on to talk about Hamilton and Celtic, JJ, you are like the rock and roll star that you are. You're going to be having, you've got a live gig coming up in Aberdeen. Would you like to tell us a bit more? That's right. Here comes the plug. So, as you may uh, or may not know, I am on a podcast called The Totally Scottish Football Show. It's really fun, and we're doing a a live version of it in March. And we're doing March 24th is in Glasgow at the Glee Club, and March 25th, I really hope that's correct, is at the Lemon Tree in the wee room upstairs. And uh, it's me and Andrew Slavin and special guests, the ones we've, been, we've not getting confirmed yet, but the ones that we're talking to are it's pretty cool. And uh, yeah, it'll be great fun. You can get tickets online. Just Google it. That's the best way. I don't know rather than doing a URL. But it'd be really, really much, much better for everyone if people came. <laughs> 
<laughs> there we are, JJ Live. Don't miss out on this opportunity, folks. Who knows? Uh, you'll never see him in a venue this small again, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> Hamilton on Wednesday night. A dry, narrow, plastic pitch and what will probably be a windy night. I can really see why Sky have chosen to carry this one. Oh, uh, yeah. What are, what are Sky TV thinking of? Um, no, the way we're playing at the moment, uh, I can't think of a, a worse game for us to be playing than going down there and playing on that pitch against Hamilton. Uh, you know, you know, you know exactly what you're going to get from them. They're going to scratch and claw and bite and kick for every little yard and every you know little bit of the ball. Um, this is this is an absolute. This is the worst possible team we could be playing when we are just so woefully out of form, despite. Despite like some some very very well hidden you know, green shoots, I suppose you would say yesterday. Um, you know, yeah, just why is it, why is this on television? <laughs> I don't honestly don't know. Um, you know, I guess we just you know, you've got you've got to play them all sometime, I suppose. And you know, there's no there's no reason for being a wanker about Hamilton. You know, they're in the league on merit, and so we just have to deal have to deal with it. Um, you know. How much, how much, how much McInnes changes it? You know, we won't see. You no, know, will he? Will he try and stick with the three at the back that he did um, did against Kilmarnock? Um, I'm not so sure, but um, hopefully, you no. Know, hopefully, we can try and get something down there and build on it because um, it's. I mean, it's it's not going to be a good game. We know that much. Well, yeah, well, six games without scoring would be a club record, and that's what it would be if we don't score it on Wednesday. Uh, JJ, then it's the small matter of Celtic at home on the Sunday, uh, far and away the best team in the league. Uh, we haven't really sh- had shown that we've had a clue how to tackle them this season. Might have been close on the scoreline at Parkhead in December, but not really on the balance of chances. Um, it, if we're scrambling around looking for positives, and by word we are, uh, like the game at Ibrox, we should at least get some space in the opposition half. Yeah, I would have thought it would be it will be another kind of a setup where everything's quite tight. You put up a block and try and hit them in the counter. The thing that hasn't worked a few times is going man to man with them because it, when they play a three, they've always got players like Ayer. Not she injured just now. I can't remember, but their third centre back or even in a, even in a back two, even they just join in to overload the midfield and then because. They're not got a man marker. Everyone else panics. It falls apart. See so again and again against Celtic. You can't go and like, you can't like go for it. Like people always say. I mean, the only teams like, like Livingston beat them. Right, that's the last last team I can think of who uh, properly did them in. And uh, that was because they were down to ten men. And uh, Livy were just using the goals they scored were decent enough. But if Cosgrove can do an impression of Lyndon Dykes, then maybe we'll be able to get a one nil out of it or something like that. But I would have thought you've got to try and just get tight to every single man, block the space, and win 5-0. I don't know. Right, well, let's just end on that note of positivity, (laughs) however ridiculous it might be. Um, Tonight, going over to dreadful Aberdeen performances, let's not sugarcoat it. We might have been looking for positives, but tonight we had JJ Bull. Thank you, JJ. Thank you for having me. And uh, remember to grab your tickets quickly before they sell out for JJ Live at the Lemon right. Tree. Um, and thank you to Martin Clunas. Thank you. Thank you, Richard. We'll be back next week. Uh, hope springs eternal that uh, it'll be on the back of two good performances and maybe, maybe, just maybe, a goal. Come on, you Reds. <laughs>